Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me for the very first episode of the Crank and Boom podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I wanted to take the first couple episodes to introduce myself and tell you the story of how I got into this crazy ice cream business and give you a peek at a few topics we'll dig into a little more in future episodes. So let's get way back in the time machine and go back to the very beginning, the very, very beginning of where our story starts. I was born in Lexington. I grew up in Frankfurt, the capital, which was about half an hour away. So my parents came over to the States uh, back in the early 70s. My aunt, who is a physician, was doing her residency at UK. And that's how we landed here in Kentucky. And they decided when they got married that they would come over here. Actually, I'm pretty sure they didn't decide together. I'm pretty sure my mom told my dad that they were going to come over to the States. And he said, okay. And that is why their marriage has worked out for almost 50 years. This year, it'll be 50 years that they've been together. She and my dad both felt like America was this place of opportunity, as many immigrants do, and that, you know, their future children would have all these wonderful opportunities that we would not have back in Thailand. So my mom and dad came over. They spent time working and going to school and then went back to Thailand for a little bit and had my sister, my big sister, and eventually came back over here for grad school. And my mom got a master's in biology. My dad got a master's in public affairs. And they kind of switched off doing work and also doing childcare and then also doing school eventually had me and they worked different jobs. My dad worked in hospitality and was able to work as bartender, work in catering, work at golf courses, work at country clubs. And my mom also worked in fast food. She eventually got a job with the state using her biology degree. And eventually they decided, because my mom loves to cook, that they wanted to have their own business. My mom had always kind of dreamed of having her own restaurant. She just loved cooking. She's been cooking since she was teeny tiny, just going to street vendors in Thailand and helping them cook. And she's always loved making food. She always helped her mom, my grandmother, make food. So that tradition is very deep within our family. So growing up in the restaurant, it was extremely hard work after school. We would either go to an activity, which we had to get to ourselves if our parents weren't available, and then we would have to figure out a way home or a way to the restaurant, and then I'd do my homework at the restaurant, do the restaurant work. We'd close at 10, 11 o'clock, get home, do more homework if you had to, and then just start the cycle all over again. So I learned from childhood those customer service skills used to be very terrified of people. So people would come in the restaurant and I would literally run away to the back and my dad would literally push me back out into the dining room and say, well, go seat them. And so I would, I would conquer my fear. I'd get some menus. I would seat people. I would pour water. That was my first job. I poured water. And my second big job that I was super excited about was to be able to work the cash register. So I kept playing with the buttons and my dad kept saying, well, if you're going to play with the buttons, you might as well learn to use it and be useful. So he taught me how to run the cash register. So I would take payments as people left and people thought that was really cute that I was small and I knew how to take a credit card and run a credit card. So it was a very untraditional childhood. I never got to go to summer camp and 
didn't, you know, get to participate in a lot of other activities that other kids did. But, you know, only in adulthood do I look back and really appreciate what that meant and how much that has built the foundation of who I am now and how much it has helped me in my professional life and my adulthood life and just being able to feel what hard work looks like and being able to take that skill and apply it to whatever it is I want to do in life. So being ingrained as a kid in this restaurant life, which I would now equate to working the family farm, it was the family business, we were expected to work in the business. I you know, did that for 10 years from age seven to 18 until I graduated and swore that I would never work in a restaurant again. And I also swore that I would never come back to Kentucky because I ended up going to school in North Carolina. That's just where I was when I left. I felt like I needed a change of scenery. I didn't really feel like I really wanted to work in the restaurant anymore. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I think originally I was thinking I was going to go to med school like every good other Asian daughter. And my sister had gone to med school and it seemed like a good path for someone who did pretty well academically. And I got to college and really struggled with the whole path of pre-med. Started to not do very well in school. I went through a bad breakup and this was about the time that 9-11 happened. So it just felt like the whole world was falling apart while I was trying to figure out my life and didn't really know what was going to be next and wasn't sure what I would do with myself because I always just thought I was going to go to medical school. So as I was going to graduate, this was in 2004, I was living in North Carolina. My sister was going to get married that summer, so she called me and said, so you should come back and help me with this wedding. I had not gotten a job at that point, but she said, we got this house, you can live upstairs and you know, be around to help with the wedding. And I thought that was a great transition with someone who didn't have a plan post-graduation, just to come home, help with the wedding and then figure things out. And came home, lived in the house, loved it. And it reminded me how much I had missed home when I had been away for so long. It was just so comforting being home again and having that comfort and that support system and having my mom's food again. I just had missed Sunday dinners or when my sister could call me and say, hey, do you want to go to Walmart at midnight? That used to be our thing, is to just go hang out at Walmart at midnight. And I just miss those little things that you can't do when you're so far away from your family. Eventually got a job with Lexington Habitat for Humanity in marketing. So I was marketing coordinator, fresh out of college, no job experience. I had had a lot of volunteer experience, but it was neat to be able to put what I had learned in school and actually put it into a nonprofit that I love so very much. And so that is where I actually met my husband. He was on the board while I was on the staff. And so our whole relationship is rooted in traveling abroad and giving to others. And I think that's why our business is rooted in that as well. And I think that's why we've had such a great relationship all this time. So for many years, I thought that, well, I'm just, I'm gonna have to start myself a international nonprofit so I can save the world. And eventually I found that there were so many ways to give back and there were so many ways to fulfill this deep passion of mine of altruism and wanting to connect to people and wanting to help people 
that it didn't have to look like starting a international nonprofit to save the world, that I could do that in my own way. And I really started integrating that in our business, even when we started and we were tiny and we didn't have any money to give anybody. We were just trying to survive. But I would always find these other ways to still give back and I could give what I had and that was food and it was my time. And so I'm excited to talk more about that in future episodes on how we built that and how we make decisions and how do you give back when you really don't feel like you have anything to give. And there's always a way. So I hope to to talk to you more about that. So I didn't know at that point that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I was doing a lot of work with Habitat for Humanity in college, and I started doing these food events to fundraise. I would be running a crew of 10 people, 10 students who didn't know how to cook, and I would run the whole event with them cooking and then serving, and I remember just feeling alive again. And I remember feeling, oh God, this is so fun. And it, it really struck me, I should try doing a restaurant again. And at this point, my parents had actually sold the restaurant in Frankfurt because basically a third of the workforce left when I went off to college. And it's exhausting when you're in the restaurant doing everything. So to my parents' dismay, I started a toy with the idea of bringing them out of semi-retirement so that we could do a restaurant together and maybe we could bring a lot of the dishes that we had made for our Frankfurt community here in Lexington. I did get a look when I said I wanted to do a restaurant after they had sold the other restaurant. <laughs> so as we started this new restaurant in 2006, it was called Thai Orchid Cafe, and I was ready to bring back the old favorites that we had created at the Smile as I Am, which was our original restaurant in Frankfurt, and, you know, bring a new spin to it, something a little more modern, some new dishes, and kind of be my vision alongside of what my parents had done. And Mike is my boyfriend at the time, and he is washing dishes for free, which is a great way to win my parents over. And we probably went five or so years when my parents were still deeply in the business. All of us were working crazy hours. Mike was working at the University of Kentucky in research. And so he was having a full-time job while helping us wash dishes. And so we would just pass, you know, basically pass in the night, see each other every once in a while and see, you know, see each other when he was helping out in the restaurant. And it was, it was hard work. It was extremely hard work. So, you know, we're doing the restaurant and my parents are starting to kind of feel the wear again after five years of doing it again. And at this point, they're probably in their late 50s, 60s doing this whole thing again. Mike and I were married by then and we said, why don't we just buy the restaurant from them and then they can go back into real retirement instead of being semi-retired and, you know, being here and having to do this insanely labor-intensive work. So we purchased the restaurant from them and one of the first things I really wanted to do was to add a fun dessert option to our menu. And I really love this coconut ice cream that I would get in Thailand. They would serve it in a hot dog bun and put peanuts and condensed milk on it. And 
I just thought that was so fun and I wanted to just bring that that item, coconut ice cream, to the menu. Well, I don't know where to get coconut ice cream, so I figured, well, maybe I can figure out how to make it. So I bought a two-quart Cuisinart ice cream machine off of Amazon, and then I found a recipe just online by Googling Thai coconut ice cream. And I was so happy with the recipe. It just tasted just like it does at home. Well, at this time, we only had one freezer bowl that you have to freeze overnight. So we can only make one batch a day. So I was very excited when I could put the sign up and say, sorry, we are sold out of ice cream from the four servings that we had just made today. So I started to get the itch to make a second flavor. And by chance, one of our partner farms had a ton of sweet potatoes. And we went out to the farm and they said, we have these sweet potatoes. Will you please take the sweet potatoes? So I took, you know, a five gallon bucket full of sweet potatoes back to the restaurant, you know, cooked it in some of our dishes and then thought, why don't I make sweet potato ice cream? That'd be interesting and kind of weird. And I like weird. So I roasted them off. I ended up making a sweet potato pie ice cream. I made these caramelized pecans to throw in there to make it pie-like. And it was fun and it was great. And I thought, well, that's interesting that I can turn a vegetable into an ice cream and it tastes amazing. So what else could I do? By chance, this one season, the strawberries came in early and our same local partner farm, they said, our CSA doesn't start yet, but we have all these strawberries. So can you take these strawberries? And we said, absolutely, yes. Took the strawberries. And I don't know what it was about those strawberries, but it made the best strawberry ice cream I've ever had in my entire life. And it just changed everything. And I thought, oh my God, if you use real ingredients, it can make this product that is just absolutely phenomenal. And we noticed that people started coming into the restaurant and they started asking for ice cream and then they wouldn't order Thai food. And I also noticed that at the time, we just had Facebook as social media. I noticed all my Facebook posts about ice cream probably got two, three times as many likes and comments as our Thai food posts. And then one of the real turning points for this whole process was it was January and it was snowing and blizzarding like sideways like it, the whole sky was white it was a huge snowstorm but we were still open because we were open all the time for anything and a car pulled up out front of our restaurant and a lady came in with like a eskimo parka all bundled up running through the snowstorm and she came in and said i'm just here for a few pints of ice cream I said, oh, great. Uh, do you want any dinner or Thai food? And she said, nope, just the ice cream. So this lady who is in a parka in the snowstorm had come all this way just to get some ice cream that's packed in a soup container that has no name. And that was the something, that was the other big turning point that Mike and I looked at each other and said, maybe, maybe there is something with this ice cream. To hear the rest of the story, you're going to need to go check out episode two. It's out right now. Just click play wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find show notes for this episode over at crankandboompodcast.com, where you can stay up to date on all things podcasts, hear about our new flavors, and see how we're trying to help out one scoop at a time. Thanks for listening to the Crank and Boom Podcast. 
If you want conversations like this every week, click the follow button on our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard today, please leave a review. That helps other people find us too. And I would love to hear what you have to say about what we're talking about. So that's all I've got for you today. I can't wait to meet you here again soon. Until next time, peace. This is a production of Four Eyes Media.